Well, what are the, what are the problems uh, that we are facing today? You know, everybody in the world right now is so quick to tell each other of their, what their problem is. Truth be known, we think pretty negatively on our own without any help. Most people who come across as trying to be confident probably think about their problems more than anyone else thinks about their problems. There are some people who are unaware, but we, we pretty much think about it all the time. And, and so those of us who are believers, we may have prayed about certain problems over and over, maybe for months, years, decades, lifetimes. And so sometimes the problem that we're praying about has become a part of our life and we have the same life routine every day. You know, I think about the fact that um, uh, people have challenged me before to start um, asking for prayer, you know, for my feet because it's been a lifelong thing. And, and uh, there's pain every day, but it's kind of if you don't know what life is without it, then you just simply, that's life. And so you tend to, um, hopefully you get over the complaining so you're not a complainer and you just go. But the Lord does want us to bring our needs before him. And so, especially, I think, those ones where we're not complaining, where we're just almost accepting that they're there, but he wants them bring them us to bring them to him. We have the same lifestyle sometimes um, around these problems where we can have no peace, but we just get used to having no peace. We can see that in some of the Middle Eastern countries where war has been so much the norm that I don't know if they would know how to live the first few years if there wasn't war around every corner. And the same sickness sometimes we've had that haunts us every day and the same circumstances, but we really need the change. But we've gotten so used to things that we don't even realize we need the change anymore. And often people are crying for change. They just don't know how to go about it. We may pray, Lord, may I, how can I change this? How can I uh, get this to change my life? But then we just get to where we stop asking. So have you ever thought of Think of some of the things maybe in your life that um, maybe you prayed about and God didn't seem to answer and they haven't changed. Have you just got to the point where you just have accepted them as they are and you've just learned to live with them? We all know it's very hard to change even though it may bring good results for us. I mean, if I was to be completely healed tomorrow, not having to wear orthopedic shoes that have steel plates in them and all kinds of you know things I go through and wearing splints on my legs at night to keep my feet at the right angle and and uh, Jen and I kind of laugh sometimes about the li- my little medical corner now because I started with a little CPAP machine that was quiet, and then they decided that I was getting to the point of a stroke in the, s- in the middle of the night if I didn't get enough oxygen. So now I got this big machine that they had to turn on this big, make this big beeper when you turn on. It sounds like a fire alarm going off, and then it's all night. And Jen, Jen says it puts her to sleep. It keeps me awake, but you know we kind of laugh and joke about it, but really. You know, in, in uh, the realm of our faith, in God as our healer, it's, it's no matter to joke about. I, I should be bringing those things before the Lord and not just learn that, hey, that's now part of my life. So, you know, if you would ask a drunkard, if you'd ask somebody who has a problem with drinking, um, if they need to change, there's probably, a lot of times they'll just say, no, I'm fine. They may really know that they need to change, but there's a little bit of denial mixed in. And so change is very hard to achieve because there has to be a desire to change. And I think we all recognize within ourselves that we need change in areas, yet we also recognize that the change we need is also often hard to achieve 
and, and there's a God factor involved, and we can't know what he's thinking sometimes, and we don't know when the answer's going to come. So we know there's certain things that we can't change without the power of God. And so tonight, God can change you by uh, the external force of the Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit can change you. And so I want to look at a story of a person in Scripture who was changed after an encounter with Jesus, but some of the descriptors I've given of our life of just settling into our problems I think will we'll, uh, resound in this story as well. Um, John 5, 1 through, 5, 1 through 15. I think I said 1 through 5, but 1 through 15. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the Sheep Gate, was the pool of Bethsaida with five covered uh, porches. Uh, crowds of sick people, blind, lame, and, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. For 38 years. I'm 43, so 38 years is most of my life. He was sick for 38 years. And so, verse 6 says, When Jesus saw him and knew how long he had been ill, he asked him, Would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred up. Now, see, they believe that um, once in a while, angel of the Lord stirred the waters and the first person in the water gets healed. So um, there's a lot of people who waited there forever waiting for this stirring of the waters. And so that's what he's referring to. He says, while I'm trying to get there, someone else always gets in ahead of me. And Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your sleeping mat and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up the mat and began walking, but his miracle happened on the Sabbath day, so the Jewish leaders, the religious people, the church folk, they said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. It's illegal to carry that sleeping mat. He replied, the man who healed me said to me, pick up your sleeping mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that, they demanded. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd, but afterward Jesus found him in the temple and told him, now you're well, so stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you. Then the man went to find the Jewish leaders and told them it was Jesus who had healed him. I want to take a little sidebar that's not so much to do with our message, but um, I did say that in 2017 I wanted to look at more opportunities for teaching moments where it may not be the subject matter, but there's something in a scripture that you may encounter with others who have chosen to take a, a stand on a doctrine based on just maybe a little bit of the context and so you see that where he says to this man to stop sinning or something worse may happen to him. Now, there are people who take that to say that every time you're sick, it's because there's sin in your life. Well, we're in a fallen world. We're under the curse of sin. So, yes, sickness is a result of sin, but it is not directly correlated that every time you sin, you're going to get sick. So someone's sick in here and they cough and we're like, oh, stop. We've got to stop and pray for that person because we know they sinned this week. They come down with a cold. You get what I'm saying? There are some people who will take that stand. And what I, believe, what I have studied and believe from that passage is what Jesus is referring to is the eternal death. The worst, thing, the worst thing that can happen to you is to die before the decision can be made to follow Christ or have right relationship with God and never have the opportunity again for all eternity to be together with God. Hell and the torment of hell, besides the flames that never die, besides the agony and physical pain that it's described about. But the biggest thing is, is once we have the realization of what we missed out on with God, we don't really have the full clue yet. But once we do, the internal torment for eternity, knowing that we're separated from God. So Jesus is telling him, go and sin no more. In other words, don't 
something worse could happen than you just being sick for 38 years waiting on the water to be stirred up. So the scene is Jesus at Jerusalem, and he's here to celebrate the Feast of the Jews. And the Bible says he entered through the sheep gate, and this was the gate used to usher in the sheep for the slaughter. And so uh, once inside, Jesus comes to the pool of Bethsaida, and lying around the pool, all these poor, sick people, um, blame, uh, blame, blind and lame. That's, you know, if you're blind and lame, I guess you're blame. Um, <laughs> and paralyzed, thank you, Danny. I want to roll and get Ken's drum machine over here and give myself a little drum roll each time. <clears throat> it said that on occasion that the angels of the Lord again stirred the water, so they're all they're all around there for some of them probably decades, and uh, you know as soon as they become ill, and um, so they're all lying there waiting for their turn. And since it is that it's the first person in that gets healed, and they got to wait for their stirred again, I, I can just imagine the picture, you know. Well, they're talking about these five porches, all these people laying around and, and all kinds of stuff going on. And, you know, it's like you walk into a hospital and you, you feel like, you know, I always go to that little hand thing and look if anybody's walking, watching. I feel like going when you're leaving, you know, just let me go ahead and just get everything. One time I went to pray for somebody, laid hands on them, and I got a call 10 minutes after I got home that they had something highly contagious and they were quarantined after I left. So sometimes if I go to pray for somebody sick, I'm, I'm going and praying real hard for myself. But, you know, you, so you imagine all these people are laying around sick and so <laughs> all this. And, and then all of a sudden someone, because it doesn't really, we don't really know that there was actually an angel of the Lord stirring the water. I mean, some say there, probably, there was, some say there weren't. But, but obviously for there be that many people laying around, some people had gotten cured. Whether it was really angel of the Lord and they got cured from that or they all of a sudden got better. But they all believe this. So, um, you know, they're all laying around there. So you imagine all of a sudden some guy goes, hey, the water just circles. You know, some guy, some mean kids over there threw a rock in the water and it rippled. And they're all like, angel of the Lord. And so they all jump up and you got people are this and people are, you know, all kinds of stuff. And, and I don't watch the zombie movies, but I imagine it's something like that. They're all rushing to try to be the first one. And so this guy for 38 years, he's going through this process. I don't know how often. But he's going through this process. So he's paralyzed. He's waiting for his turn. He's probably thinking in his heart, when will my turn come? And, and that was the day for that man. Jesus changed him that day. And so we have to think, how can we too experience such a change? You think about this man. Now, I'm, I'm not waiting 38 years, but um, I've been waiting longer than that for my, my feet to be healed. You know, and so... Some of you have gone through that, and when is it going to happen? The first thing we have to understand the story is Jesus confronted him with he had to make the decision he really wanted to change. It seems almost like a silly question to ask a man that's been waiting 38 years patiently by that pool to be the first one in, and the poor guy is, is not there quick enough every time, and it almost seems like insult to injury, rubbing salt in the wound, that Jesus asked, do you want to get well? So Jesus is asking him, do you want to change in your condition? So first, the man had to decide himself if he wanted to change. And we have to decide if we want to change. Romans 12.22 says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing and perfect will so even in the things of our spirit and our mind there has to be a decision we want to change before god 
can do the work. It's the interesting thing about free will that God has given us. He has the power to turn us into robots and to make us want anything he wants us to want. But he's decided in his infinite wisdom that it is much more pleasing to him that we have to choose his gifts and choose his help. So now listen, it's possible that this man didn't want to change. I mean, you have to, get, you have to not rule that out yet because for 38 long years he's paralyzed. He was daily sitting by the pool, probably begged for his living, and someone gave him his money and gave him his food. And if healed, he will lose his shelter, his food, his money, etc. Now, some of you will say, and I don't, I don't know if I buy that, Pastor CJ. If the guy's that sick, he's waiting around the pool 38 years, I would think that'd be a no-brainer he wants to be healed. I mean, he did get up and pick up his mat, but Jesus really didn't, you know, after that, he just said, get up and walk. But we know in our culture now what, what has happened over decades of conditioning people to someone else is going to provide for you. You know, when you go from the Great Depression, when everybody realized, hey, Things can tank, and then you've got to start rationing, and then you've got to start doing whatever it takes to make, make do. But somewhere along the way, we got this idea that, that somehow there will be some organization or some entity or some government that will be able to meet everybody's needs in, in the human, their human ability, right? And so even back here in Jesus' time, if he was having food every day, yes, he has this illness, but he's not having to work. This is very hard labor during these times. When healed, he has no excuse to not earn an income. He now is going to go to hard physical labor, which he has not done in 38 years. Obviously, his skill sets, if he had any before, are not finely tuned anymore. So it, it is reasonable to believe that the reason Jesus asked him that is because he was in mode where he had, re he had received help on some, well, I shouldn't say frivolous needs because eating is essential, but he had received help for so long that he had learned to just live with the big stuff because then he didn't have to face the rest of life's problems. So Jesus first has to ask him, do you want to be healed? I mean, he'll have to look for a new job. He'll, he'll lose all present securities. He may even lose his present friends. If healed, he would have to work and enjoy life, but that involves a lot of risks. For 38 years, he accepted this condition, and, and he was happy with his condition because in his mind he had accepted his life for him. And how do we know that? How do we know? Well, because Jesus asked him to want to be well and he wanted to discuss it. So if we're going to change, we have to decide what we, if we want it enough to accept all that goes with it. Um, I've, I've had opportunity since I've been pastor for people who never have come to this church, uh, probably never will, but we'll, we'll call and ask for assistance. It's every church and it's every week. And sometimes some weeks it's every day. But, but you will get, you know, get as a pastor, you'll get. And there are people who every day when you get up and go to work, um, their job is to go see what they can get for free. So there are some of those that do that. And it, it's sad, but they go to churches. And, and, you know, so we have a form we use to try to help, you know, be good stewards of God's money and, and ask pointed questions like, do you go to church somewhere? Do you tithe? And, kind of given them an idea that when you're in a body of Christ and the Lord wants us to help those who are poor and sick, not just believers, but, but there are some who are trying to use kingdom money to just not do what they need to do. And I had one particular individual that I could almost count it. It was like every month and a half to two months. They were going to contact and ask for help. 
And when I offered the kind of help I could give, uh, no, they had a certain way. Well, all I was new because it needed to be cash because there's an addiction there. So, so I was re-diverted. But I have offered over and over, I will come sit with you and we'll talk through what, what's going on in your life. And, 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 and that person doesn't want to ever do that. Uh, they don't want a five to ten minute conversation on, let's talk about other ways I might be able to help you. They, they aren't looking for spiritual help. They aren't looking for anything. They're looking for me to fix a temporary issue on their terms so they can continue in what they're doing. And see, Jesus is confronting this man that, hey, it can't be on your terms. Do you, wanna, do you want this to be right or not? So the second thing, if you want to change, stop making excuses. John chapter 5, verses 6 and 7, he did not answer Jesus' question. He doesn't say he wants to be healed. He just complains about his condition. He, he, many times we have only complaint, uh, complaints about uh, others or our condition. And this man tells uh, how unfortunate he is. He's complaining that others are stealing his blessing. He wants to focus on the last 38 years that he was not there first in the pool. That other people, their legs worked better and they got there faster. But maybe that comes from 38 years of telling his woes over and over to get the handout that he needed to sustain him. Now, we may be complaining to God about our lost opportunities, and you may uh, be thinking, well, I, I, have, uh, I have my turn, but let's stop complaining when others are being blessed ahead of us. God, uh, God wants to bring about a change in our lives. Sometimes it has nothing to do about that current need. God, Jesus is probably thinking, if I heal you, it don't matter what's going on at this pool anymore because you don't have to live here. Stop worrying about the past that someone else beat you to the pool. I'm offered to heal you, and you don't need the pool. You're going to direct the source. No angel of the Lord. You're talking to the Lord, right? You're, you're going to be able to go to work. You'll be able to afford better food than you've had. You, you might even get a place instead of sleeping on this mat out here. You, you might be able to have many blessings. And, and it makes me think over and over again the story I've told about me and Jen uh, getting ready to go to sleep one night and she had dropped the bomb on me about two weeks before that it was time to move out of that little house we had in Bella Vista. And, you know, as a, as a new dad, it didn't seem to bother me. I had two boys on a top bunk and a little girl on the bottom bunk in a 10 by 11 room, and they should be able to grow all the way till they leave the house, right? And we'll just put partitions or whatever. We'll go get Walmart cubicles, right, Chris? We can get some wholesale Walmart cubicles and build them extra, put them double up so they go to the ceiling. You know, and... and we had done the Dave Ramsey and saved money. We were on $50 a week groceries and buying 228 diapers a month. I figure out how we did that. And, and I'm not 60 years old, so this wasn't a long time ago. You know, <laughs> um, This wasn't, you know, I'm not 90 and this wasn't the Depression times. This is, you know, more recent. But, but I got in this mode that it was comfortable. I mean, my sister had the same size family. They were spending a... 150, 200 a week in groceries. When I told her what our grocery budget was, just in talking, saying how good we were managing, you know, our budget, uh, she teared up. Thought we were destitute, you know. I'm like, we're hitting the Tyson store and getting like $200 of chicken at once. We buy like once a month, you know. So I'm eating all kinds of like Mexican chicken, Hispanic chicken, and and uh, <laughs> you know, I'm you gotta be careful these days about you know, chickens get upset with you, but you know, so. We were eating good. But my wife kept prodding, and I'm thinking, you know, we had our, we were on a 15-year note fixed at like 4.5% interest. We were paying that house down quick. Once in a while, I'm able to make extra payments, and we're, we're getting right side up, little 1,040-square-foot house. 
and so cheap payments, and I wasn't making a lot. I'm thinking, we are comfortable, hon. You're starting to stir the basket. What if we get in this big house, and we got a, a bigger house, and we got all this you know, extra money I can't come up with? And You know, finally she pushed, and, and we listed the house, and no one looked at it for six months through the whole contract. All, all the realtor did is call us every week telling us to drop our price. And, um, you know, we, we got to where we're not going to drop it to where we have to bring money to the table. It was just terrible. And, you know, we, we went another round. We fixed some things up. And to, to shorten this story, I remember the night we prayed and we just said, God, you know what's best for us, better than we do, and we're going to put this in your hands. If you want this house to sell, it'll sell. And if you don't, then we're happy and thank you for what you've given us. That was the important part. Thank you for what you've given us. This is, we have a roof over our kids' heads. We're not homeless. Our, our kids are taken care of. We're a happy family. Thank you, Lord. And we met this guy that seemed very unassuming as a realtor. Kind of thick glasses, and he was a believer. We knew him from a previous situation. His business had had a rough, rough go, and he went through our Dave Ramsey class, and we told him what we wanted to list our house for, and he said, well, it'd be the top, on the top end of any house like it, but if that's what the Lord's speaking to you, and it was like, 15,000, 16,000 over some of what the other realtors wanted us to list for. And he prayed with us. Two months later, it was closed and we were moving. Two months later, we were closed. And we made 11,000 more than any of the realtors thought we could even start listing it at. My, my point is this, is I'd gotten so comfortable. We'd been in that house 10 years. Our kids had been born and brought home from the hospital there. And we had raised them. And there's memories. And, and yes, it was dilapidated. And yes, they added the fireplace under it. And it was trying to sink through the floor. And we had to put bracing on it or build a whole separate structure just to make it right so that the next person bought it wasn't getting a bad deal. And, you know, but I, I kept thinking that's the good deal for us. And, and then we look at where God has brought us now and, and how he got us in the home we're at and how little we had to spend to do it. And, and I've just told other people, I, I've had other friends who kind of are stuck in a rut and they just want to hang on to what they've got because it's just comfortable. And, and their spouse is saying, I, I want to get out of this place. You know, I've known people where they're still living in the house that they were divorced and remarried and that it was the house before and maybe the same furniture and all this stuff. And, and they're, they're, I got to stay here because this is where I ra- raise my kids. And, and the other person's like, I just need to get out of here where your ex used to live, you know, or whatever. And, and we get stuck and we're, we're just determined that we're going to hang on to our misery, right? But when we just stop complaining, when we stop worrying about what the past has for us and open ourselves up to change, God can do miraculous things. So let's stop complaining when others are being blessed ahead of us. God is bringing about change in us when we allow him to. Number three, if you need a change, act in faith. John 5, 8 through 9, Jesus didn't discuss the waiting line at the pool with a man. He didn't try to explain to him. I find myself as a pastor many times when someone's asking, you know, a a hard question about why maybe God didn't do something in their life. It's tempting to try to answer that. And I'm finding as as, uh, God gives me more wisdom to just say, you know, I'm not God. You'll have to ask him about that when we reach heaven. But for now, let's pray and think about what God can do from this point on. So we act in faith. So Jesus didn't spend time on the man's complaints. And Jesus told the man to act in faith. He said, get up, take your bed, and walk. And so the man had a choice. Uh, he could start walking or just lie down in the same condition. And, you know, I had the same choice with our house. I could have said, "Hun, uh, as the priest of the home, 
uh, right now, I just if it makes me feel uncomfortable thinking about a bigger payment and all this change, and um, I'm sorry, we're just going to stay here. And what we would have missed out on. Um, Danny was helping me to go get one of the last pieces of furniture. We're finally, it's used furniture, but we're finally outfitting the house, you know, uh, we, on our Dave Ramsey budget, finally got our furnishing money. $5 a week takes a long time, but we, <laughs> we made it. But we picked up an excellent couch for 50 bucks. Danny saw it, leather, leather thing. And so uh, it was in a very expensive mansion, and it was in a downstairs, and we had to actually take their railing apart to get it out. But it was, it was fun. So then I treat him to Indian food so we'd have heart heartburn the rest of the day. But it's a choice. It's a choice. We have a choice. We have to uh, sometimes act against our circumstances. We have to look at our circumstances and say, I, I don't know, this feels comfortable, but, but I know God ha- has uh, the cattle on a thousand hills. He's the owner of everything, and he can supply all my needs, and so I have to step out of that. Act against your negative thoughts. Uh, Danny and I also were talking about today that I'm having to be real careful that uh, I'm kind of getting in a, in, um, pulled into some things sometimes that I, I thought I had uh, completely got away with. I'm just going to tell you now that God's been making me aware that sometimes I get around folks and we, we tend to want to, in our, in our concern for others, want to talk about what's going on with someone else. And you get on that fine line between gossip and, and, and really being concerned and trying to find out what's going on so you can help. And so... I told him that uh, sometimes I feel like I, I get around some negative conversations and it, and it weighs on me, and, and, and I don't want to participate in that. And so um, we have to act against our negative thoughts. And when he listened to the voice of God, his condition changed. All he had to do was accept what God wanted to do. All he had to do is, is just listen to the voice of, of Jesus and follow. And for 38 long years, the mat carried him and now he's carrying the mat and isn't that how it is with some of our problems we carry them so long or we it carries us so long and if we just hear the voice of god and we just act in faith and we just step out then we're the one carrying them off to the dumpster right whatever the circumstances you face in life if you act in faith you can overcome them with god the fourth thing i want you to know about this passage is if you need a change stop sinning this is a difficult one because I just got done telling you before that it's not a direct correlation. You get sick when we're talking about sickness and that you sin somewhere and so God is punishing you with sickness. But, but there is a direct correlation between sinning and the blessings and the protection and the, and the covering of God begin to be lifting because you're pushing God away. It, it's not a daddy saying, I'm going to take your Xbox away now because you didn't do what I told you. I'm going to take your health away now because I, you didn't do what I told you. It's not that. It's that God is there trying to be involved in our life, and then with our free will we're saying, you know what, kind of like with prayer in schools, we don't need you here. I don't need you here. I want to do things my way. And God says, I can't, I'm not, I've, I promise not to, to force. So we have to step back, and that gives Satan an excellent opportunity to step in and try to kill, steal, and destroy. So if you want to, want your change to be ongoing, you have to continue to turn away from sin and turn to God. And, and here Jesus meets him again at the temple and tells him to stop sinning. And sin many times stops the work of God in our lives. We cannot take the blessings of God for granted, or we may lose it if we continue to sin. You can see that in many times in, in big um, publicized ministries where there's a moral failure with a key leader. And, and he may have been sinning for a decade. 
in private. But people are still getting saved, baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, and going into ministry. And like, how does that happen? That must all be a wash, right? No, they came in faith, believing in God. And, and if God did something in their life, independent of that minister, but he's still going to hold that minister accountable. And eventually, God's probably been being so gracious, giving them plenty of outs, plenty of opportunities, but they continued in their sin, and eventually it caught up to them. So I come back to the first question I asked you tonight is, what is your condition tonight? What's the condition that you've been living with so long that's just become a part of your life? Maybe you're saying, Pastor CJ, I'm, I'm praising God. Yeah, I've been there where you're talking about, but I've, I, I conquered that before, and it's gone. But many times there's things that we've just kind of accepted as, I don't want to complain to God. That ingrown toenail, how, how trivial to complain to God. But I'm hobbling all day long. And it's changing my attitude with my kids because I'm in pain. You know, are those things that we just, that, that aggravate us. That's one thing we've been paying attention to in our home now is when there's an attitude that's not, we feel like the best reflection of Christ before our kids, we're trying to go back to the root cause. For instance, if you stay up past a good rest time every night to play on the electronic devices because the kids are in bed and you deserve that time, but it's making you tired because you still have to hold a schedule the next day, and so you're becoming grumpy with your kids the next day, then it's wrong. You're putting yourself before ministering to your children, and you're letting your attitude change the course of their life. We, we've got to realize that with our children, our attitudes towards them, they're absorbent like a sponge. And while we may get over it and think we just got onto our kid a little extra for good measure that day, they're thinking about it 20 years later. Now, don't tell me that some of you had a good, hard disciplinarian as a parent that you can't vividly remember exact words and exact situations that happened when you were a child 20, 30, 40 years later. They're very impactful. And so discipline, good, strong discipline, I'm all for it. I don't spare the rod and spoil the child. I don't believe in that. But I'm telling you, I'm getting more and more cautious about making sure that it's right on key and it's right on cue with what they need. And the exact, it's like a dose of medicine. It's like delivering them the exact dosage. You don't want to overdose. You don't want to underdose. You want to cure them of the, so to put them on the right path so when they're old they won't depart from the ways of the Lord. But at the same time, you don't want to beat them so hard with the gospel that they're not seeing Jesus. They're seeing a Pharisee. And so they grow up hating church and people in church because all they know of church and people in church is they've lived with a Pharisee. Because our problems aren't, aren't, uh, are hidden from them. And so we're, we're, we're much better you know, than they are just because they can't see what really goes on in our heart. So my, my point is this. What are you carrying that you just haven't really been dealing with? Physical sickness, spiritual sickness, uh, something that you need to be delivered of in your life. And that's why I want to spend the next 15 to 20 minutes in, in prayer time. You know, we're all busy, and, and I know that I want to believe that every one of you get ample time every day to either kneel or get in a place where you can really focus in on the Lord and pray. But we know national averages is that most people who claim to be believers only pray two minutes a week. That's the national average, and it's usually over a meal. So now you have 20 minutes where it, it's a have to, right? you got to either do it knowing that pastor knows that you're slipping out. or No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but but you got the opportunity. If you do have to leave, I'm not, I'm not trying to keep you from it, but... But this is your opportunity to spend time with the Lord. We're going to turn on a little bit of worship music if we can, Nathan, and uh, maybe even...
turn the lights down a little just so there's not distraction. And uh, I just want you to dig in. Sometimes just be silent before the Lord. If there's something that you kind of learn to live with, then the Holy Spirit can reveal that to you. So let's just spend a little bit of time. I'll come back after a set time and just kind of do a formal dismissal for those that want to leave.